Welcome back to the Health Emotion Podcast. I'm Evie. And I'm Alexis. And we are going to talk all about menstrual health in today's episode. But first, let's dive in and review our previous health challenge of the week. If you're new around here, welcome. We want to fill you in with what we do for our health challenges. At the end of each episode, we do provide a challenge for listeners to complete on their own. This is typically related to the topic of the episode, and it's something to incorporate for better health. So as we mentioned, we do record these two weeks in advance. So our challenge two weeks ago was to incorporate one stress relieving activity for the week. So I'll start and share that I eliminated late night watching of TV. I stay up way too late sometimes watching TV. I'm totally guilty of it. I tell my clients don't do it, but I definitely (laughs) fall into that. Um, And I would get so tired and lazy when it was time to get in bed that I wasn't enjoying my evening routine. I felt like I was struggling to get upstairs. I didn't want to do my full face, you know, face wash routine. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do my prayers. Like I'd skip through everything. I'd rush through everything. And it just felt like I was, it was a race against the clock to get in bed. And I didn't want to do that anymore. And I realized I'm the only reason that this is happening. (laughs) Like there's no other reason for me to do this. So now I get in bed earlier and I feel like I have a better, more relaxing end to my day. And it feels, it just feels right. So Alexis, what did you do? So I talked about this a little last week in the um, episode about our March goals. So one of the things I did, well, one of the things I took away is my new office is now set up. So we have a few little things here and there we're still working on. But um, that was just an enormous weight off my shoulders to actually have the space open and functioning. And we're seeing patients there. So it's super exciting. Um, But that's gone. So I was able to add my walks back in and the weather's cooperated, which has been really nice. Um, So for me, walking is just something that really relieves stress. Um, And so I've been able to get mostly daily. Every now and then we have a crazy day and we don't get our walk in, but daily walks as much as we can. Um, And the other thing I started doing last week is setting evening boundaries. Mm, Um, So I haven't eliminated the late night TV thing. (laughs) I would like to do that, but we've we've had this conversation. Um, But for me, I would find myself, I would come home and my husband was always like, what are you doing on your phone? What are you doing on your phone? I'm like, oh my gosh, I just get caught up answering text messages and emails and scrolling through Instagram and trying. And I just was like, you know what? When my son goes to bed, we're going to eat dinner and then I'm done. Good. Everything can wait until the next morning. There's no reason yep. why I need to be answering emails at nine o'clock at night yep. for work. So um, setting those boundaries for me has been really helpful in kind of what you were saying, just like settling down for the night. I'm just done. I'll come back to it in the morning. Um, And it allows my husband and I to have more time together where I'm not distracted by my phone or waiting to see if something's going to come through. I just put it aside. So that's been um, really nice for me. Yeah, that's good. I love that. Good stress relieving activities. Mm -hmm. So um, before we dive in, we do always start with some breath work. So um, I'll go ahead and lead today. We're going to do just a simple four seconds in, and then we're going to do a prolonged exhale for six seconds today. So as always, we're going to breathe through our nose. So I want you to take a nice deep breath in. Two, three, four, and exhale. Two, three, four, five, six. And we're going to do two more of these. So go ahead and take that inhale through your nose. Two, three, four, and exhale. Two, Three, four, five, six, and one more. Go ahead and inhale through your nose. Two, three, four, 
three, four, and exhale, two, three, four, five, six. All right. Awesome. We might have lost all the male listeners at this point, given that we said this is about menstrual health, but that's okay. If you are a male listening, then good for you because I'm sure you have a female in your life that this is good information to support her. So ladies, let's talk about the cycle. I want to preface this with what we are diving into relates to women who are not on hormonal birth control. If you're on birth control, Definitely continue to listen as this is still very important, but your body will not be fluctuating in the way that I'm going to explain due to that birth control. So we'll get into details about that a bit later, and we'll also have a a dedicated episode to birth control. But I just want to let you know that if you are on birth control, your body isn't going to be doing some of the stuff we're talking about. And when you talk about hormonal birth control, do you just mean the pill or are you talking about some of those other forms of um, hormonal birth control as well? Yeah, good question. I'm talking about the pill. I'm talking about um, the IUD, copper IUD. Um, All of that is what I mean by hormonal birth control. Yep, good question. So I want to also explain that when I say cycle, I mean day one of your period to day one of your next period. So I think at least for me growing up, when I heard cycle, I just thought that was my menstruation phase, Mm -hmm. just my period. But I'm talking about cycle length being day one of period to day one of your next period. So for the sake of understanding what we're talking about in this episode from here on out, just remember that cycle is that entire time. You also probably grew up hearing that your cycle is 28 days long, or that's a typical cycle, right? I think we still see that. And that's definitely the standard when it comes Mm -hmm. to examples. And we will be using that example in this episode. But please know that that's not always the case. Sometimes we might have a 27-day cycle or even a 34-day cycle. Functional medicine doctors say that a cycle that ranges from 27 days to 35 days is still typical, and that's totally okay. And personally, I actually used to fluctuate from 32 to 35 day cycles. This was when I had first come off of birth control, which has been about three years now. But things have shifted from then. And now I have a different cycle length. And, you know, we'll talk about why that happens and when and if to be concerned about shifts in your cycle. So during the monthly cycle, a lot of amazing things are happening without us really doing anything and sometimes without us even noticing There's technically four phases of our cycle. There's menstruation, there's follicular, ovulation, and luteal. So we're going to break down what happens in each of these phases so that you can better understand what the changes are and what to expect. So that first phase is menstruation. This is obviously when you start to bleed, your period begins. Typically at this point, energy is low and the first few days, our hormones are also low as well. So everything's just kind of on the lower end. Um, You know, most of us do feel that fatigue or tiredness or just sluggishness the first couple days of our period. And then energy typically picks up. So that's because we enter the follicular phase. Now, follicular is technically at the beginning of the first day of your period. So there is overlap of menstruation with follicular. I usually just call day one of my cycle the start of the follicular phase, just so that it's easier for me to remember. So on day one of the cycle, both estrogen and progesterone are low. So again, I said your hormones are low at the beginning, which that signals your pituitary gland, which is that pea-sized gland at the base of the brain, to release follicle-stimulating hormone, which is FSH. 
FSH stimulates the ovaries to form a dominant follicle in preparation for ovulation. So ovulation is occurring right at the start of this of your period, really. That's when everything kicks off. So in correlation to what we might feel at this phase, like I said, energy is fairly low at the beginning of our period. Then as the period ends, you might begin to have higher energy. And this occurs because estrogen, which is going to be that dominant hormone at this phase in the follicular phase, is on the rise. And estrogen is that hormone that makes us feel all the things. Our confidence is high, we're more outgoing, we might be more bold, we have more energy, there's less water retention. So typically, you might actually look and feel your leanest at this point. And I know that's certainly true for myself. I definitely look my ideal way (laughs) at this phase, right when my period has ended. And then your libido is also high. You'll also start to notice some more cervical mucus at this point. And this is your body's way of preparing to quote unquote, carry the sperm, assuming pregnancy is the goal. And we do have an entire episode that's going to go into birth control and how that will affect cervical mucus and all of this too. But I do want to dive into cervical mucus just for a second. So the type that you'll first see during the follicular phase is thicker and cloudier. That signals that ovulation is nearing and you are in your fertile window. But once cervical mucus becomes clear, slippery, and looks like raw egg whites, you know that you're most fertile. So I remember this by thinking that the thicker cervical mucus means that it's slow and it's kind of sluggish, so it can't carry sperm as fast, but that slippery one is fast and can carry sperm quickly to impregnate. So again, cervical mucus, the actual reason for it, biologically speaking and physically speaking, is to carry the sperm. So whether pregnancy is a goal or not, you still want to have cervical mucus because that's a huge indicator of what's happening with your hormones. So it's very important that you're still noticing that. And you don't have to do a physical check. Some women do, mm-hmm. but I mean, women, we know that you can see it when you go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. when you wipe. So it's not like a physical internal thing you have to check for all the time. So we've talked about follicular phase. Now we're going to enter the luteal phase. And this begins with ovulation. So at this point, that one dominant follicle has taken over and it's released an egg. That egg either then gets matured by sperm or it dissolves and moves through your body along with your uterine lining, which that will become your next period. So for days 12 to 14 of a cycle, if we're using a 28-day cycle, estrogen peaks and triggers the release of luteinizing hormone, LH. This LH surge is what causes ovulation to occur. So again, if you're having a 28-day cycle, you're most likely going to be ovulating around day 12 to 14, which is about halfway through. The final stage of the cycle is the luteal phase. So the ruptured follicle, now called the corpus luteum, releases progesterone and estrogen to prepare for pregnancy. It's super important to understand this, okay? We only make progesterone if we have actually ovulated. The higher progesterone levels can be associated with feelings of calm, wanting to rest more, just feeling more to yourself. So this is a nice counterbalance to the effects of estrogen because, again, estrogen is the one that makes you feel all the things. You have more energy, um, and then progesterone comes in and kind of counteracts that, which is nice. We need that balance throughout the month. And so as I've mentioned the changes in cervical mucus, you'll also notice changes after ovulation in that you typically don't have cervical mucus and you'll be more dry. So... If you've ovulated and you can confirm ovulation, 
either through basal body temperature, cervical mucus, ovulation test strips. And then after you ovulate, you'll notice that you get dry. Then you know, okay, things are probably moving in the right direction because physically speaking, there's no need for cervical mucus after Mm -hmm. you've ovulated because at that point, the egg has either been fertilized and or continues to dissolve through your body. So after ovulation, you know, you're in your luteal phase. At this point, if pregnancy occurs, estrogen and progesterone stay high throughout, which this mimics what most hormonal birth controls do to the body. If pregnancy does not occur, estrogen and progesterone drop and then your menses begin. So I personally think this is also fascinating. I think it's important to understand these changes and correlate it with how you're feeling because unlike men, we actually go through these daily hormonal changes. I always joke that men are just flatlined. They Mm -hmm. don't have this change. And, um, you know, when men are like, oh, you're being so emotional. I'm like, yeah, it's because I'm in my follicular phase or, (laughs) you know, just being able to understand like, wow, my body is doing all of this. And it not to like use it as an excuse of like, oh, this is why I'm behaving this way, but more of like, oh, I guess this is why I feel this way. Or I guess this is why I don't have as much energy today. Yeah. I think it's important to understand, especially if you're not on hormonal birth control, that this is normal. And I think it's fascinating just that our bodies do all of these different things, like your cervical mucus changing Mm -hmm. and the different hormones releasing. Like this is all nature just doing its thing, which I think is really um, really fascinating. And before we started the episode, we were just talking about, you know, for me personally, and I know we're going to talk about birth control a little bit more, but I was on birth control for so long. I didn't understand how my cycle actually worked. And I, I would assume most people don't until we started trying to have a baby. Yeah. Um, you just don't think about it. And they teach you in school at such a young age that, I don't think the information, I mean, first of all, of course, it doesn't really set in. We're so young. We're not really mature enough to understand the science behind it. But you're also just not going to remember all those little like details that they talk about. And then you go on birth control and you're not going through these normal, Mm -hmm. you know, things. And so for me, when I actually, you know, my husband and I, and I, I think we'll probably talk about this in an episode in the future that we dealt with infertility. We went through IVF to have our son and when I, you know, actually started tracking my periods because we weren't getting pregnant, I learned a lot of this stuff that you're talking about. And I, I just had no idea. Yeah. I'd been on birth control for so long. I had absolutely no idea that this was what was supposed to happen and what was happening. Yeah. Well, and I, like you said, I don't think that we pay attention to it or we know it because until you have to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know any of this stuff until I got off of birth control. And like I said, that was three years ago. And I'll share more about my story in that episode that we're going to record. But I was terrified to come off because I didn't understand my body. Yeah, That's what I was most afraid of is what's going to happen. And I just knew going forward, like women need to know what goes on with their body because it's not scary. It's no. actually very empowering. And it's so easy to work with your body when you understand what's happening. And that's the main goal here is that you don't have to be afraid to come off birth control if if that's what you're thinking of doing. Right. You know, like there's definitely your body knows what to do. You just have to support it in that transition. And there certainly can be a transition time Mm -hmm. of getting off and things are kind of wonky. But again, there's ways to support it and your body knows how to regulate and get back to its rhythm. Yeah. And I think, too, and I'm sure we'll go into this more, but most of us were put on birth control for a reason. Yeah. Um, you know, I know I mentioned to you before we started recording, for me, it was 
my periods were really frequent when I was a teenager, which I think was just hormones yeah. being hormones and mm-hmm. that things just hadn't settled yet. But I was so scared when I went off the pill. I remember just thinking like, oh my gosh, it's I'm going to go right back to where I was when I was 15 years old and I had yeah. all of these issues. Yep. Um, and my assumption was that I was going to have all those problems again. So, you know, we were wanting to have a baby, so I wasn't nervous about that, but I was really scared that my cycle was going to be awful um, because that's what it was when I went on so many years before. Yeah. Um, So I think there's a lot of fear around that too and coming off the pill. Oh, yeah. I've talked to so many – a lot of my clients will get off the pill when they start working with me, either Mm -hmm. after they learn about what the pill does and or that's what they're thinking and they just need someone to support them in that. Yeah. And they're all terrified and I don't blame them because I understand I was there three, three years ago mm-hmm. and because we didn't want to get pregnant so yeah. that I didn't get off to get pregnant. Yeah. I got off because of what I learned, what the pill can do. And again, we're going to totally go into all mm-hmm. this, but I was just so scared of, I don't know what my body will do. And that scares me so yeah. much. Yeah. So, and again, I was put on for things that were told it'll fix it and Newsflash, the pill does not fix anything. <laughs> it covers up a lot. So yeah. we'll get into that. Um, one thing I, I didn't share that I want to that I think is important to talk about as we're tracking changes with, you know, what happens with cervical mucus and our body and our emotions and our hormones. Another thing that shifts is actually our body temperature. Mm-hmm. So basal body temperature is your temperature at rest. So as long as you've been lying flat and resting for three hours and you have a basal body temperature. And I share a lot about this on my social media that I track mine. The reason for that is because your temperature changes as you enter different phases of the cycle. So, for example, since I'm not on birth control, I want to track my ovulation um, to prevent and then to try to conceive, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can do it for either one. It's not just when you're trying to conceive. But your basal body temperature will be lower in that follicular phase, so that first half of your cycle. And this could range anywhere from 97.73 to 97.8. I mean, everyone has a specific temperature, but you're going to see that it's going to be in a, in a range that's pretty close. And we're talking to the 100th degree. So your follicular phase has lower temperatures. And then once you've ovulated, that temperature will spike. And by spike, I mean it might go to like 98.6, So there's going to be a spike in your temperature and that will signal that you've ovulated. And so this is a really helpful tool that your body is giving you that, hey, we ovulated, either you're in the clear Mm -hmm. or like, you know, hey, now you're going to be experiencing more of that progesterone coming in. So it's a nice way to understand your body and work with it. And the way that you track this is you actually need to get a basal body temperature thermometer. So a regular thermometer won't do the trick. This one, a basal body temperature is created and built to track to the hundredth degree and it's very sensitive. And so there are some fancy ones out on the market now. And if you want recommendations, I can surely give those to you. But to be honest, I just use one that I bought from Target. Um, it's I think it's in like the women's or maybe the fertility section yeah. or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but it'll say basal body temperature thermometer. So you know that you're getting the correct one. And mm-hmm. it was like $8. So, and it's worked great. Yeah. So I love tracking that because think about it. If my temperatures are low, I'm in my follicular phase, I'm going through. And then I wake up and I have a spiked temperature. 
I know that I've ovulated. And then your temperature should stay high up until you start bleeding again. So all throughout your luteal phase, your temperature needs to be high. So we're talking 10 to 14 days of higher temperatures. So then 10 to 14 days go by, I wake up, my temperature drops, boom, I know my period's going to start that Mm -hmm. day and it never fails. It always does. Yeah. So it's a nice little like, okay, I'm prepared for the day. Mm -hmm. So another way that I just think it's so fascinating that our body provides this information to us. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, if you're on birth control, it's important to understand that you don't have this hormonal change happening throughout the month. So let's use the pill as an example. So a little history lesson. The pill was created in the 1950s, originally as a contraceptive. Since those were illegal at the time, it was marketed to, quote, treat period problems, aka stop you from ovulating. So the pill prevents this fluctuation in hormones. Therefore, it inhibits ovulation. So no ovulation, no release of an egg, no pregnancy. But that also trickles down into your period. If you aren't ovulating, you will not have a real period. So a pill bleed is not the same thing as a real period. Your, quote, period that you experience on the pill is actually called a withdrawal bleed, which means a withdrawal of hormones in your pill and in your body. So a lot of, like, I definitely thought, hey, like, I'm on my period while I was on birth control, and it's because I just didn't know that I'm not actually having a real period. Mm -hmm. I'm just having a withdrawal bleed. Yeah. And we'll go into more of detail about that, but I just wanted to make that clear because we do want to make sure that anyone's who, everyone's who's listening is, can get some information for them depending on where they're at with this. Yeah. And I had the same thing. I had no idea I wasn't actually having a period when I was on the pill. I didn't realize, I didn't know all of the different changes that happen throughout your cycle. And so I didn't know I wasn't having any of that for years that I was on the pill. I had no idea. How long were you on the pill? Oh gosh, probably 12 years. Okay. I mean, it was a long time. Yeah. I was on the pill for 10 years and rule of thumb is for every year you're on the pill, you can expect that many months to really regulate. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that was fairly true for myself. When I did get off the pill, my period started fairly regularly. I had a couple wonky months, months, but um, the main thing that I noticed was changes like in my emotional state, but then Mm -hmm. also in my skin. So those were really like, that took some time. That took some time to regulate. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. And I, I mean... I feel like I regulated quicker than that. I was probably lucky in that sense. It was only a few months that I had like longer, like 32 to 35 day cycles. And then I pretty much went down to 28 and it stayed that way for a few years. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was definitely um, took time. Mm -hmm. And I noticed all kinds of changes in my body after going off of it, which just let me know. I mean, even before I really understood all this, I'm like, I don't know that I ever want to take that again. I feel so different, which is crazy. I know. I cannot wait to dive into that because that's going to be so, so good to talk about. Yes. Um, All right. So we talked about the science behind our cycles. Now let's get into what a healthy period should look like. This is an overlooked biomarker of health, in my opinion, because we just give into the narrative that a period should suck. We're tired. We're bloated. Mm -hmm. And that's just not entirely true. It does not have to be that way. So again, just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal. Yes. So a healthy period, it can look like anything from 27 to 35 days. You bleed typically from two to seven days with, you know, most of the time people experience heavier bleeding in the beginning. Some people experience it at the end, but, Mm. you know, it's not going to be heavy bleeding with throughout. You want bright red blood. 
So some dark brown or red can occur at the beginning or end of the period, and that just is signaling different hormones that are shuffling out. You want minimal cramping, minimal headaches, minimal PMS, and just some water retention. I mean, you don't want to blow up and have like be five pounds heavier, but sure. one to two pounds up on the scale, I'm not too concerned by that. No. Um, so basically, you should still be able to go about your normal life just with minimal annoyances, right? It shouldn't be this thing where you skip work or like you can't get out of bed. So if you're experiencing something like that, definitely want to look into that. Yeah, we're not saying like, oh, you should just be able to tough it tough it yeah. out or you're not tough. Like it really can sometimes be so bad for people that they can't go to work or can't go to school or whatever it might be. But what we're saying is, that is an indicator from your body that something else is going on. Absolutely. So be sure to get that looked at. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to PMS, I do want to talk about one big takeaway that, again, PMS is common, but it's not normal. We've made a joke about having horrific PMS, and it's not actually meant to be that way. So after talking about the way a period should look, it's the complete opposite of what most of us are experiencing. And so why does PMS happen? That was one of my biggest questions when I got off the pill of like, how, what does my PMS look like? Why is it shifting from month to month? How is it changing? And a big reason for having PMS is because there's a huge shift in hormones. And like we talked about, hormone, um, estrogen and progesterone are kind of having this counteract with each other. So let's say estrogen drops too quickly after ovulation, and then you don't have enough progesterone to support that. That could be a reason PMS could occur. So there's this big gap, if you will, in your hormones. So it's important to have that balanced relationship between estrogen and progesterone. Maybe you just don't have a lot of progesterone to begin with, and there wasn't a big drop. There's a ton of reasons why this could happen. So again, being able to dig deeper with someone who can help you with that is really important. If you do have PMS, there are some natural ways to support that, and I suggest that you do work with someone who knows how to coach you through that. Hint, hint, <laughs> I can support you. <laughs> this because, is what Abby does. Yeah, because there are so many causes for PMS. I can't really get into remedies or anything like that specific on this episode, but if you are interested in learning more, this is the type of coaching that I provide to my one-on-one -on -one clients. I also provide information on which tests to take to look at your complete hormone profile and how and when to test. And these are things that you can do at home, which is really, really nice. So when it comes to, okay, let's say you get your period now and you're using products, right? We're all using some sort of product. Mm, right. I want to talk about the products that are marketed to us for periods. So I used to use the popular brands of pads and tampons just until a couple years ago. I was listening to a podcast and the host started explaining the differences in products and my jaw dropped. So imagine this scenario. You're in a beautiful field of cotton and it's sunny and it's so nice and everything is peaceful and gorgeous. Then a guy in a big hazmat suit comes in and starts spraying the field with pesticides. Then you take that sprayed cotton and you insert it in one of the most sensitive areas of your body. Yeah. Welcome to conventional tampons. <laughs> Not to mention the fragrances that are in those things too, which again, we talked about fragrance in our toxicity and beauty products episode. So be sure to listen to that if you haven't. So again, with the cotton that is used in a lot of these products, it's just if it's not organic or if it doesn't say that it's been treated in a way where there aren't any pesticides, just think about that. You're mm -hmm. putting that in such a delicate area of your body. And so when I heard that, 
I was like, gosh, I have to switch. Like, this is an easy switch to make. There's yeah. there's great brands at every store. Like, I've seen them at CVS, at Walgreens, at Kroger, at Target. So look for products that are organic. Look for organic pads, tampons. One off the top of my head, and this is what I used to use when I used tampons, was L brands. Um, I've also heard great things about other ones. Um, so if you have those brands definitely send them to us so we can share that because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are actually switching to this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, you could also use a cup. So I use the salt cup and that's fairly, well, I don't want to say it's fairly new, but it's definitely within the past year that mm-hmm. I switched to that. And it was an adjustment at first for sure, but I really do like having that. And then be mindful of that period underwear that's on the market. I'm sure you've seen it. There's like Thinks or there's another yes, one too. Yeah, I've seen that advertised even on like social media and yes, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And the concept is great, but some of those have actually come out and there's like a lot of toxicity in that product. So whatever they're using for like the pad or whatever mm-hmm. it is inside the fabric has come out that it's actually quite dangerous. So just be very careful with what you're using when it comes to that. Yeah, I know I recently switched and really it was because I saw you posting stuff about it because I know it just never even crossed my mind. Yeah, I just right. didn't Again, think about it. It doesn't. Yeah. No, not at all. And you can buy organic tampons at Target or Kroger for the same price that you're getting. Yes. Your even like Kroger brand or whatever. Yep. It's it's basically the same price. Yeah, um, I know. The L brands, what I used to get for um well, I get I get the pads actually, but I don't use mm-hmm. the tampons. Like I said, it's the same exact price. I'm so glad yeah. you brought that up. Yeah, because I was like, oh great, another thing that's going to be expensive. And no, yeah, it's right there on the shelf with it. Which tampons are unreasonably expensive in my opinion, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, but these are the exact same price as non-organic tampons. Yeah, um, and you can get them on sale. So, and they, I, if they're the same ones that I get, they come in like that nice little container, a too. clear container. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's it. So you can just like set that on your you know, in your bathroom or whatever too, which is kind of nice. And yeah, I even, when I was setting up things in my new office, I wanted to make sure we had that stuff in the bathroom because you never know when someone comes in and they might need it. And yeah, I just bought the organic stuff. It was the same price. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Cool. Well, if you go see Alexis for physical therapy, you know you're getting taken <laughs> care of. There's organic tampons in the bathroom <laughs> if you need yes. them. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So again, just be mindful of that. If you need other suggestions or help, reach out to us. So to finish off talking about the menstrual cycle, I do want to share some basics for what you can do to support your beautiful, beautiful cycle. Eat whole foods, which this is not a surprise, right? There's so many vitamins and minerals that are necessary for hormone production that are in just natural whole foods. So notice, I didn't say you have to buy organic, right? Like I think people are always like, oh, I I have to go above and beyond and it has to be organic. No, it's not true. I mean, you can certainly do that, but Mm -hmm. just get some sort of natural whole food. Make sure that's majority of your diet. Supplementation is important. So, you know, most of the time magnesium can be very helpful, especially when you're experiencing PMS. And so what I actually do when I do have like a little tinge of a headache on my period, I will make a like little period hot cocoa. And what I make is I'll heat up some nut milk I will do cacao powder because that is loaded with magnesium Mm. and I will put some collagen powder in there. And then if you need sweetener, do something like maple syrup or maybe stevia or something like that. But I love making that. B vitamins are super important. Vitamin C, zinc. So again, I will say all of those are actually depleted by birth control pill. So that's why it's really important to look into this. And if you are on the pill, just know that you're probably not getting these uh, vitamins. 
And again, that's not medical advice. Just ask your doctor um, and we're happy to give you some guidance on that too. Get enough sleep. We know sleep is so restorative. We do so much in our sleep and we need that. Your hormones need it. Exercise, and especially if you are experiencing PMS, which I know sounds opposite because when you're crampy or tired, the last thing you want to do is move. But even some gentle movement, maybe doing some sort of stretch flow or just walking outside, Mm -hmm. something, you've got to get moving. And then also limit your alcohol. So this isn't just for when you're on your period, but just all month long because you don't want that to affect your hormone production. So that was a lot of information. What do you, anything to add, Alexis? I feel like we talked about a lot of good things. No, I, hopefully this was helpful. Like I said, I didn't know any of this stuff until we started trying to have a baby. Um, And so I've even learned a little bit more going into some of this detail with you. Um, But I think, you know, just to kind of piggyback off what you just said, and we're never, um, and I love this about you and like your coaching is we're never those like all or nothing people. We're not saying don't drink alcohol at all. If you have PMS, we're just saying, Hey, maybe that's something you could look at. Right. If you're drinking a glass of wine every night, that could be contributing to some of these hormonal imbalances. So get curious. Yep. Yeah, maybe try and cut back on that and see. Um, and you mentioned this ahead of time. So you'll want to track for a couple months. It's not just your next period. Right, exactly. So if you want to start tracking your period and really maybe tracking your basal body temperature or cervical mucus, give yourself some time. These mm-hmm. things are going to take time. I didn't really get into a good flow of understanding or being able to predict my body until it was about three months of tracking this stuff. So yeah. give yourself time. Get curious and just be patient and know that, you know, you're going to figure it out. You're going to be able to get there. And there are supports in place for you if you want support during this time, too. Yeah. And, you know, you also mentioned a lot of different ways to sort of track your cycle, cervical mucus, basal body temperature. There are those ovulation test kits, which if you're trying to get pregnant, you're probably more inclined to want to spend money on that and Mm -hmm. and really take a look to see if if you get a positive test on that. But um, one thing I do want to mention too, just to keep in mind is if you're already taking the pill and you decide maybe I want to go off of this, but gosh, this sounds like a lot to take on to track. Just think about you can just replace taking your pill every day with taking your temperature. Exactly. Just a simple swap out. Yeah. So rather than taking your pill, take your temperature each day. Yep. Um, and that way you're tracking and you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more at some point, but, um, you know, you can't. You're not going to get pregnant every day of the month. Right. Yeah. So that's something that I, I hope that you take away too, is that mm-hmm. you ovulate. Most of us will just ovulate one time a month. Mm-hmm. Right. And so our fertile window is maybe five to six days. Yeah. So as soon as you start seeing cervical mucus, know that you're in your fertile window. And so if you're trying to conceive, that would be a great time. It's go time. Yeah. If you are trying to prevent, then you know, you know, Not stay away time. from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, it's the, it's understanding of, hey, cervical mucus has shown up. All right. I'm probably fertile. You probably feel your libido is higher too yeah. at that point. So yeah. you're going to have these cues from your body. Yeah. Um, but again, if you... If you pay attention and you listen and you take the time to learn this stuff, it'll become second nature. It really will. It does. It does not take a ton of time out of your life. So I just wanted to make that point of like, I know we shared a lot of information. And if you're new to this and you're still on the pill and you're considering coming off of it, it can sound like a lot to add, but it's not. It's honestly just you, you start to learn your body. And for me, like you mentioned, like it's so empowering to actually know what's going on at what point. 
during the month or during your cycle um, to know where you're at. Yep, exactly. And one thing that you mentioned that I feel like I need to expand on is you said just take your temperature instead of taking the Mm -hmm. pill. These thermometers, guys, take like 60 seconds. Like it's not a long, like you're laying in your bed for 60 seconds because when you take your basal body temperature, you want to continue to lie flat. You don't want to move. So maybe like reach over your nightstand, grab it, take it. It's 60 seconds. It's not a big intrusive thing in your day. And there's also this one, um, it's called temp drop. It's um, an actual armband that you wear at night. So that takes it for you. So you don't even have to take your temperature. You just wear it as you sleep. So again, it's not this big dramatic thing that's going to like uproot your life or your routine. But again, if you are interested in learning more, please reach out to me. I do offer free consultations, whether you are on birth control or not, or if you want to get off, but you're nervous, or if you've been off and you just need some support in regulating stuff or learning how to understand this, I can certainly support you in this. And I'd love to talk. So please reach out. Okay, Evie, what's our health challenge this week? All right. I have a couple ideas, but I, I was like, I don't know what to make it. So we're going to do a couple things. I... If you are off birth control and you are interested in kind of taking the next step with tracking your cycle, I challenge you to start taking your basal body temperature. So, you know, go to Target or get online and order a thermometer. Start doing that. There are plenty of apps that you can download to just put your temperature in. You can print off a graph and do it that way. I mean, whatever you want to do. So track that. Notice any changes in your temperature. Or... I challenge you to look at the products that you're using. So your tampons, your pads, if you're using a cup and see if you can switch to something less toxic or without fragrance. So again, next time you, and you don't have to throw out the stuff you have now. Mm -hmm. If you want to go, next time you need to buy tampons, just look for the one that's organic and doesn't have fragrances or synthetic chemicals. Boom. Easy enough. Yes. All right. We love this episode. We had a lot of fun recording yeah. it, and I hope that you guys had fun listening. Please send us your questions, and be sure to tag us in your health challenge of the week, and we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Evie.